0: let see. <laughs> Right, how's everybody? Welcome to Supernatural Saturday. I am your host, Praying Medic. I do Supernatural Saturdays on the second Saturday of the month uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time here in uh, my Telegram channel. Uh, this is how we do church. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Denise and I, we have a, a non-profit ministry. Uh, it's a church organization. It's a nonprofit, and we are pastors. And we have a, an online church that serves over a hundred thousand people. We respond to emails and prayer requests, help give people advice, counseling, dream interpretation. that's, uh, that's part, of, part part of what we do for our ministry. We also support other people's ministries. And those of you who support us financially, uh, we are very appreciative of your financial support. Uh, I'll have a message, special message for people who support us by checks and money orders at the end of this message. Uh, I'm going to have an end of the year message for you folks. So stay tuned for that. All right. This broadcast is going to be about the subjects of identity and destiny. Uh, two subjects that I have written about a little bit in the past, written a couple of articles and uh, a chapter or two in books, but it's a subject that it is actually very near and dear to my heart. They are subjects, two of them, identity and destiny, although they are um, closely related concepts, they're slightly different, and I'm going to talk about identity first, and then we'll talk about destiny. So uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to overstate the importance of understanding these two issues of identity and destiny. Um, a lot of people have difficulties understanding their identity. And I think even more people have problems understanding their, their divine destiny. So let's talk a little bit about identity. Uh, what, is, what is your identity? What is my identity? Who the heck are we? Uh, Or as the band, who said, uh, who the heck are you? Uh, Identity is an issue that nearly everyone struggles with at some point in their life. Most people, um, I would say struggle with it majority of their life and a lot of people go to their graves, never really knowing what their identity is. They never find it, they never embrace it, and they never live from their identity. So we're going to prevent that, hopefully. And uh, I'm going to tell you what I've learned about identity. Uh, and I've, I've gone through a lot of serious changes in my life <laughs> regarding my identity. Um, when, I, when I was a kid, like a lot of you know, kids, I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And, and what you want to be when you grow up is not usually couched in terms of identity. That's uh, usually um, associated with destiny. It is, what are you going to do you know, for a career, for a living? Right? But identity is something different. And this being a biblical instruction, <laughs> I'm going to keep this conversation sort of limited within the framework of, our identity as it relates to the kingdom of God, who God says that we are, who he has created us to be, uh, right? So when, uh, when people read through the scriptures, it's easy to find someone that you sort of identify with in reading through the Bible. You might identify with certain people. Uh, if you're a dreamer, you might identify with Joseph, uh, who had a lot of dreams. Uh, and then told his family about the dreams and became an outcast in his family. Uh, if you are something of a, of a rogue, a rebel, troublemaker, you might identify with King David. You might identify with Ruth or Esther, one of the Old Testament uh, people that, you, that we read about. Some people identify with you know, Elijah or Elisha. And then there are some New Testament uh, characters. I think a lot of people identify with either... The Apostle Peter or Paul. Uh, Paul being fairly outspoken, pretty bold, um, something of a legalist <laughs> before he met Jesus, and then after he met Jesus, he became a preacher of grace. All right. So we so we look through the scriptures and and you can look through history, and you sort of latch on to these various people and, and kind of use their, their life as a template or a model. Uh, I did that. Uh, at various times over the last 20 years or so. I find myself identifying with Joseph or David or someone because of the struggles they went through. They were similar to the struggles that I went through. There's nothing wrong with that. That's it's natural. Um, one of the purposes for uh, the stories that we read in the Bible is to inspire and encourage us to persevere through times of difficulty to keep going and and to learn the lessons that the saints and the patriarchs what they learned uh, how did god deal with adversity you know for them they had difficulties struggles how did they resolve those problems how did god intervene how did god give them favor those stories exist for our benefits right and we're supposed to learn from those examples but but we're not supposed to ad- adopt them as our role models. That's actually where a lot of people get into trouble. Uh, if you have a pastor, favorite pastor that you like to listen to uh, podcasts or videos or whatever, um, you know, if it's a prophetic leader or, or just a pastor or uh, some teacher, it's easy to look at these people who are very gifted and uh, popular and sort of adopt them as a role model. Like I said, I've done this in the past. I've I've adopted various uh, speaking styles and idioms, uh, idiosyncrasies, and and patterns of speech from people that I admired. But those people are not intended to be role models for me. Uh, The role model for me is Jesus, right? So Jesus came to earth as a man, fully God, fully man. And he lived a perfect sinless life. And he demonstrated and taught and manifested God's nature, God's heart, and the realities of God's kingdom. And the Bible says that we are supposed to be transformed or conformed into the image of Christ. Jesus is our role model. Our identity, Who we are, who God intends for us to be, to become, is we're supposed to be exactly like Jesus to the best of our ability. We are to be conformed into his image. The word Christian means someone who is Christ-like. We are supposed to become like Jesus. We're supposed to do the things he did. We are supposed to live our life sort of the way he lived. Uh, That might include a little bit of supernatural uh, activity like healing, (laughs) deliverance, and and prophecy and things of that nature, but I digress. Uh, So the the biblical template for the identity of the believer is Jesus. (laughs) We, We are supposed to act like, talk like, behave like. We're supposed to interact with other people Friends, relatives, on the job, we are supposed to behave the way Jesus did. He's our role model. He's our template. He is the pattern for our identity. Right? And like I said, it's, it's easy to take other people as role models, uh, but Jesus is our ultimate role model. He is the person that we're supposed to be uh, pattern our behavior, our thinking, and our life after. And, and that's a tall order uh, for some people because they can't really see themselves walking in the shoes of Jesus, doing the things that Jesus did, behaving the way he behaved, forgiving people, uh, ministering to people, healing and deliverance. But that—that that is our calling. It's a high calling. Um, it's, it, the, the bar is set pretty high. The good thing is that God doesn't get angry at us and he's not disappointed. If we don't hit the bar, we're going to uh, come up short quite often. But sometimes we're going to nail it. Healing is a good example. You know, when I first started praying for people to be healed uh, 14 years ago, I, I prayed for hundreds of people and no one got healed. <laughs> I, I went for nine months trying to be like Jesus, trying to pray for strangers. Lord, if it's your will, get this person healed, and nobody got healed. And I was discouraged and disappointed and angry. And I'd come home and I'd I'd curse and swear, and I'd tell God, look, I'm done. I I, I did my part, you're you're not holding up your end of the bargain. You said pray for people and I'm doing it. No one's getting healed, I'm done, this is over. I'm gonna go back to being an atheist or something. No, not really. But then I'd have a dream, and in the dream I would be praying for somebody in the ambulance and they'd get healed. So I'd go back to work the next day and try again to be like Jesus try again to get people healed. And I failed. And I came home the next day, and I went back to work, prayed for four or five more people who didn't get healed. <laughs> came home, went to work the next day, prayed for five or six more people who didn't get healed. And I kept going like that for nine months. It, it, it can be frustrating and difficult to try to live the way Jesus lived, to try to emulate his behavior. But if, if you find people who are successful in it, if you find people who are successful in healing or deliverance, miracles, um, you, and learn from those people, you can become successful. And that's what I do. My, uh, my ministry is built on Ephesians four eleven uh, and 12. God or Jesus gave gifts uh, to the church some to be prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, for equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That's what I do. I do training and equipping. My ministry is uh, training and equipping believers to learn how to operate in miracles, healing, physical healing, emotional healing, deliverance, prophecy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's my ministry. Um, I have learned... Over the last, you know, 14 years, how to operate in those um, things, and I love to teach them. That's why I write all these books, do the podcast, do the videos, um, discuss with people on Telegram the their, the problems that they're having and how to overcome those problems. Right? So, so I'm a training and equipping person. If you want to learn how to live like Jesus, then just jump <laughs> jump in our discussions come on the Telegram channel, ask questions, um, share your experiences and testimonies. And there's, and there's a lot of very talented, uh, experienced, gifted people in the channel. They will help you if I'm not there because I'm doing, you know, something else. So a lot of people that are connected to me who can help you, uh, who are also experienced and knowledgeable in a lot of other areas that I'm not experienced and knowledgeable about. Um, So that, that's the, uh, the identity issue, is we are supposed to become like Jesus. And you don't just do it by yourself. We're a body, the body of Christ. We're all supposed to be uh, conformed, transformed into the image of him. And we do it as a body, as a group. You don't do it by yourself. Uh, <laughs> God gave us pastors, teachers, apostles, evangelists, prophets. Those people are supposed to train us so that we learn how to become like Jesus. We need help. We need their help. So you need to be around people who operate in those in the offices, right? And there is a request in the chat. Uh, Someone asked if I would address the office of the prophet. Uh, I will probably do that in in a later broadcast. There's a very interesting dynamic in those fivefold ministry the prophet evangelist pastor teacher and apostle um i haven't done any videos on that subject like i said i'll probably address that at a later date but for today uh if you want to walk in your identity as a believer as a little person who emulates jesus you need help you need training you need equipping you can't do it on your own You have to get connected to people who can help you get up the curve. All right, so that's why I provide the ministry that I do in training and equipping. And like I said, I'm connected to a lot of people who can help in in areas where I'm not all that experienced or gifted. All right, Uh, you, your identity is to become just like Jesus in your own unique way. All right, so let's switch to the subject of destiny. What is, what is destiny? What is, what, what is our destiny? What, you know, what does it mean? From my perspective, um, our destiny is closely linked to our identity, but our destiny is—it's it, sort of—I I think of it as a future um, concept. It is where we're going, who we are becoming. And what we are doing, I, I link destiny very closely to what we do, right? So identity is who we are, and our destiny is what we do, right? So destiny, uh, when I when I again when I was a kid, I had no idea what I was going to do. When I became an adult, I, I really didn't have any any clue. And like a lot of people, I struggled. Um, I, I held various jobs, uh, just menial, you know, factory jobs, nothing too serious, for a number of years. Uh, went to community college for a couple of years, took some basic undergrad classes, um, didn't really latch on to anything uh, at that time. And then um, I kind of accidentally fell into uh, becoming an emergency medical technician. Um, I, I found that line of work interesting, All right? So I, uh, I volunteered as an EMT for several years with the local ambulance service while I was working a menial job in a factory, uh, not pursuing my destiny. But you know, I was in my 20s and most people in their 20s have no idea what their destiny is. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they're supposed to do. The unfortunate reality for a lot of us is we don't find our destiny until we're in our fifties or sixties or seventies. And, and that's kind of sad that, you know, to think of the fact that you could live most of your life and not really know what your destiny is, but there are ways to find out what is your destiny. And I learned at the tender age of 51, <laughs> what, what my true destiny was. And I learned about it by accident, like most things. Uh, and I'm, I'm, give, I'm going to give you some illustrations, examples, and tools you can use to find your destiny. And it'll also help you a little bit with your identity. Your identity isn't just, you know, being a little bit like Jesus. Your identity is somewhat tied into what you do. And, and it's definitely who you are. And the, the thing that a lot of people don't know is who they are. <laughs> They don't, they've never actually taken a lot of time to look inside of themselves, to introspectively examine who they are and what they're all about. I'm going to start off with a discussion that is very interesting to me. And I got interested in this subject years ago. And this subject is uh, personality types. I took some psychology classes when I was younger i've had a passing interest in psychology although i'm much more interested in what god has to say about the human soul and the mind than i am about secular psychologists however there's this one guy named david kersey k-e-i-r-s-e-y david kersey k-e-i-r-s-e-y wrote a couple of books please understand me and then he wrote a second book please understand me too very good books on the subject of uh, personality temperaments. Personality temperaments is a it's a field that's been developed over probably 100 years. And years ago, there was sort of four basic personality temperaments. Uh, that older model has been refined. Uh, Myers-Briggs came out with a scale, sort of a personality temperament, that comes up with 16 different types of personalities. ESFJ, INFJ, ISFP, right? All these different four letter combinations. And Kersey took the Myers-Briggs personality temperament uh, breakdown and gave it his own unique spin, which I find fascinating. Me personally, I I think he has really good insights into what makes people tick. And if you want to understand your destiny you need to understand what makes you tick. How does your mind work? Why do you like the things you like? Why do you engage in the certain behaviors? Why do you avoid certain situations? And why are you attracted to certain situations and people? What makes you tick? Right, so Kersey, uh, he's all about that stuff, but he likes to understand what makes people tick. So he takes the Myers-Briggs personality typing and uh, it's a, it's basically it's a matrix and it takes things like whether you're introverted or extroverted whether you're sensing feeling judging perceiving those are the the usual indicators that they they look at Kersey takes those 16 personality types and defines them a bit differently he does use introvert and extrovert as two of the indicators because introverts and extroverts um perceive and act differently now i should make I should make a uh, clarification here uh, some people don't like the term introvert or extrovert and some people don't understand what it actually means they call themselves ambiverts because they think that the word introvert means you always want to be kept to yourself you never ever want to talk to people you never want to be in uh social situations you're just terrified of being in groups of people—that's not what an introvert is. Uh, my wife is an introvert. What that means is she generally prefers to be by herself, although she is also comfortable in social situations. She likes she likes it when we get together with friends. Goes out. We go out to dinner. When we get, have uh, occasions to meet other people, talk with people online, she's perfectly fine with that. It's not that introverts are averse to meeting and discussing with other people. It just means that they generally prefer uh, quiet time. They, they get regenerated and restored and renewed in their quiet time. That's what sort of energizes them. They can deal with social situations for a period of time and then they get worn out and they get tired of it. <laughs> they just want to go back in their cave for a while and you know get renewed. Extroverts, on the other hand, uh, are okay Being by themselves, I'm an extrovert. I sit here in my office for days uh, by myself, writing and editing and and doing my things. But uh, I jump online, I get on Telegram, I get on True Social, I do some social media interaction with people. Um, Extroverts are more inclined to enjoy social interaction with other people. Uh, they're, they're okay being alone by themselves with their own thoughts for a while, but they will eventually sort of gravitate toward, well, you know, I got to call somebody, I got to text somebody, I need to get on, you know, social media, interact with people because I'm getting kind of lonely, a little, a little angsty, right? So the, the extrovert is a little more prone to wanting social interaction. The introvert is a little more prone to wanting uh, to be by themselves. All right, so and within both introvert and extrovert types, uh, there's it, it, it's a continuum, it's a spectrum. Some people are sort of in the middle, they don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. Some people are very much prefer isolation, some people very much want social interaction all the time. All right, so Kersey takes the introvert and extrovert uh preferences and then he further. Uh, looks at your personality, your behaviors of communication and action. How do you communicate with other people and how do you act? All right. So the communication is broken into a two, two categories, concrete and abstract. So some people tend to think and talk and communicate in concrete terms. The here and now, what is real? What is factual? What is solid? Other people prefer to think and talk in abstract terms. They talk about theories. They talk about ideologies, belief systems. Those are abstract terms. Some people are very much connected to and tied into the abstract. And some people are very much connected to and tied into concrete ideas. So that's one of the three ways that Kersey looks at this. And the third way is actions. So Kersey asks the question, do your actions tend to be cooperative or do they tend to be utilitarian? So cooperators tend to do what is right without respect to whether it works. So cooperators tend to follow the law, follow the rules, follow accepted behaviors and protocols. Whether or not it works is a secondary consideration. Those are cooperators. And then the opposite is utilitarians. Utilitarians are pragmatic. They will do what works. They'll do what gets the job done, what accomplishes the goals. They will look at whether it follows accepted procedures, uh, policies, guidelines, rules, that's sort of a secondary consideration. What they want to do is they want to know, does this work, right? Those are two different ways at looking at actions, just like two different ways at looking at the way we communicate concrete and abstract two different ways in which we interact with people, introvert and extrovert. So based on those three categories, Kersey then takes um, people who are abstract cooperators, And they they are called idealists. Concrete cooperators are guardians. Concrete utilitarians are artisans. And abstract utilitarians are rationals. So he has a division of four. Idealist, guardians, rationals, and artisans. Those are the four major personality categories. And then he further divides those four. Each one of those is divided further into four other categories based on other things. So I'm going to jump to my personality type and explain to you my personality type and what it's all about. So according to the Myers-Briggs and I've taken a number of these tests, you can find the tests online. According to the Myers-Briggs, I always come out as ESFJ. That's my personality type. And I'm just going to read a couple of descriptions off of Kersey's website about the ESFJ. And when I read these descriptions to you, <laughs> you should see some thing, lights going off. Like, oh yeah, that's why he does that. Oh, that's how he behaves. Oh, I now I understand. Right, so just let me read some of this. The Guardian provider. Guardian providers are the most outgoing and the most social of all personality types. They're always expressing themselves to others in friendly winsome manner. They're naturally social contributors, happily giving their time and energy to make sure that the social functions are a success. These expressive individuals are personable and talkative and may become restless when isolated from human interaction. (laughs) With their pleasant outgoing personalities, guardian providers strike up conversations about any concrete topic with just about anyone. Providers. Make it their aim in life to be a supplier of life necessities to those in their care. Their providing skills extend across the board from physical needs to social, emotional, and financial needs. These great nurturers appreciate being needed and may spend much energy making sure that they deserve to be needed. They make outstanding hosts, able to remember people's names even after a single introduction. Providers are always concerned about the needs of their guests wanting to ensure that all are involved and cared for, right? So this gives you a little bit of insight into what makes me tick. Why do I facilitate group discussions on social media? Why do I make sure that there are uh, qualified, trained people standing by on my Telegram channel to answer your questions? Why do I make sure we have good administrators? Why do I make sure that people's questions are answered? Why do I make sure that spam and bots are dealt with and gotten rid of from our channel? Because these are all things that are sort of ingrained in a guardian provider personality type. Um, I I do love to be uh, socially uh, interacting with people, communicating, talking, chatting, you know, whether it's email or or on, like I said, on Telegram or true social. I've always had a very big social media presence. Never understood why, until I read about the guardian provider and then I realized, oh, okay, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Why I act and behave the way that I do. Because that's just how I'm wired, right? So I've done all of this to give you an example that can help you understand how you're wired. Because your destiny what you are going to do for the rest of your life that is going to fulfill you and fulfill God's purpose for your life is very closely tied to um, your personality type and how you behave, the things you prefer, the things you don't prefer, uh, actions, behaviors, uh, things that activities that you prefer to avoid and stay away from. Now, I'm going to go to another website here and this is is a website that is called it's truity.com t-r-u-i-t-y.com truity.com has across the top it has a little bar of all the personality types infp infj enfj enfp intj entp right so you have all the personality types if you click on one of the personality types It'll pull up an overview of that personality type. Then there are tabs, strengths of that personality type, careers for people who are of that personality type, and then relationship advice for people who are of that personality type. (laughs) I'm just going to tell you an interesting thing that Denise and I found out after we got married. Uh, Kersey on his website, he's changed his website over the years. Uh, It doesn't have the same information it had eight years ago but he had a lot of information about careers and, uh, relationships for the personality types. This website, truity.com has that same information now. Uh, strangely enough, the personality type that Denise is, Kersey would call an artisan composer, right? That personality type and the ESFJ, which is me are there are the two most compatible personality types for each other in relationship. <laughs> like if you take the ESFJ, that's me and look at all the other personality types, all 15 of them, her personality type is the one I'm most compatible with, even though we're very different. She's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. Uh, we have a lot of very different uh, preferences. Her, she being the artisan composer, is very much involved and loves the creative process. That's what the artist and composer is all about. That personality type is uh, prefers being alone most of the time and loves the creative process. Painting, composing music, uh, creating film, being involved in anything creative, getting their hands dirty with the tools, composing, that is how that person is wired. And that's Denise. When I just look back at her life years ago, she um, spent quite a few years as a jewelry designer, designing custom-made, one-of-a-kind pendants, rings, necklaces, jewelry in silver and gold and precious metals and various stones. Um, She has always loved the process of creating and designing something unique. She is trained as a classical painter. She went to the York Academy of Art for uh, training as a painter. And she is a damn good artist. <laughs> you don't want to play Pictionary with her unless you're on her team. Uh, that woman can draw circles around anybody else uh, and paint like crazy. She's very good at, at realism, especially, but she's branched out into, um, into abstract because she needs some challenges. But her personality type is such that she just, the way she's wired, she loves the creative process, right? And she found out also in her 50s that her destiny is to be a painter. And I, and I helped her find out her destiny. She had worked as a graphic designer for years because it paid the bills. That's not what her destiny was. And that's unfortunate because a lot of people sort of intuitively suspect or know outright what they really want to do with their life, but they don't think they can make a living doing it, so they compromise. You know, when I was younger, I liked to write. I would write essays and write articles. I just, I was always writing. And I never thought consciously of ever being an author or being a professional writer. Just never occurred to me. No one ever encouraged me to do that. I became a paramedic and worked in EMS for 35 years. And then uh, I had some uncomfortable discussions with my wife who said, you know, you should be a writer. You should write books for a living. And I laughed at her and I said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. she said what do you mean she said look at your life when you get off duty and when you're off shift from the ambulance you come home and immediately you start writing you're writing articles you're writing facebook posts you're writing to people on social media you're writing this writing it. you write all day long you go to sleep you wake up the next day and you do it again you start writing more stuff she's like all you do is write on your days off like how do you not see yourself as a writer and i was I was kind of astounded that she noticed that because she was right. I do. I just spend an enormous amount of time writing, but no one had ever suggested that I should or could be a writer full time. It took her about a year of us having these conversations for her to convince me that my destiny was to be a writer. I didn't, I couldn't accept it. couldn't hear it. It was very difficult for me to even think about it. And then she said, you know, we need to have our own business. We need to have our own publishing company. And I was like, we're not going to have our own business. Like that is just not going to happen. I never wanted to have my own business. Never wanted to be self-employed. I'd always worked for somebody else. Let them take care of all that stuff. Just, you know, I'll clock in and clock out and take my paycheck. I don't want to have my own business. And Denise, again, over the course of about a year, convinced me that we needed to have our own business. We now have two businesses and a ministry. And my only regret is that i didn't do it 25 or 30 years ago i really wish i would have someone would have come to me 30 years ago and said and pushed me hard and said you need to be a writer because you have a talent you have the ability you have the interest and that's how you're wired you should seriously be a writer (laughs) like i said at the age of 51 you know i found out that yeah, I guess I really am sort of wired to become, to be a writer. I love it. It's, I can't imagine doing anything else uh, for the rest of my life. I absolutely love being a writer. And that lady over there absolutely loves being a painter. It's a bit of a struggle. It's, it's difficult. Um, you know, being a self-employed person is not easy. There's a lot involved. There's, there's a lot to know about bookkeeping and uh Business, um, business law. And I'm not going to go into the details of that. It's a challenge. Um, Denise finds challenges as she is trying to pursue her career as an artist. Um, there's all kinds of challenges: technology challenges, learning, getting up the curve, how to do videos, and uh, <laughs> how to not get your YouTube account suspended. Uh, things of that nature. If you if you get into certain subjects, um, you can come against big obstacles, but God will help you. And that is another key in finding your destiny. God will help you figure out, understand, and then be successful in your destiny. If you're on your divine destiny, God will bring resources to help you. That's what I found. When I finally understood that God wanted me to be a writer, he gave me the time, he gave me the inspiration, he gave me the tools to start writing. First it was articles, then it was books. And, and the fa- I could just feel the favor of God on me as I began to write and I, as I began to walk in my divine destiny. Now, if you're asking yourself, what is your destiny? I would ask you, what is it you really love to do? i've kind of observed over the years that you can um, you can sort somewhat tell what a person's destiny is by observing what they do habitually so if you're always monkeying with computers or if you're you've got a soldering iron everywhere and solder and electrical components maybe you should you know consider being an electrical engineer (laughs) if you just love that sort of life those things concepts and components things love you schematics and creating uh you know circuits maybe you should consider being an electrical engineer if that's what you're interested in if you are singing all the time singing in the shower singing in your car singing wherever you go you're probably destined your destiny is probably related to singing if you habitually write like a maniac you're just writing all the time good chance that god has wired you to be a writer because that's what you habitually do it's what you enjoy doing what you fill your free time with whatever you habitually do that is generally what you're supposed to be doing as as, as a uh as a career my son um wrote his, started writing his first novel when he was in high school after reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Aragon and a number of other fantasy um, series. He started writing his first uh, fantasy novel. And his, his goal is to become a fantasy writer, a novelist. He's not doing that right now. He's, he's compromised. He is working a job because it pays the bills. Right, so let's talk about that. Um, a lot of people will intuitively figure out what it is they want to do. Like, I want to do, I want to do this but uh, I can't make a living doing it. So I'll do this instead. I'll work at a bank. I'll work at a store. I'll do this job because it pays the bills. And maybe one day I'll get around to doing this thing that I really love doing. That is unfortunate that many people uh, end up forfeiting their destiny in exchange for something that pays the bills. My hand is up been there done that denise did the same thing she worked as a graphic designer she wasn't her being a graphic designer isn't her destiny her destiny is to be an artist a painter that's her destiny and she knows it and now i know my destiny is to be a writer you know it's unfortunate we learn in our 50s but a lot of people will compromise they will just say look you know when i when denise went to art school they told her it was hammered into her brain if you think you're going to be a professional artist you're going to be a starving artist because nobody makes it nobody ever is successful as an artist you know commercial artist, or make a lot of money that's just like one in a million people most artists are starving artists right that lie was pounded into her head all, all the way through art school and we all have lies that are pounded into our heads that make us forfeit our destiny and compromise and do something else that is not our destiny a lot of you who are listening to this are doing something as a job or a career that you are not suited for you've compromised you've decided that i can't make money doing that so i'm going to do this instead because it pays the bills one of these days you're going to have to uh, put on your big girl pants (laughs) and decide i am not doing this anymore I know what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And now here's, here's the key. When people ask me about, you know, what do you think my destiny is? I ask them a question. If you had $5 million in the bank and all your bills were paid and you could do anything you wanted, what would you do for the next six months? Whatever your answer is to that question, that's probably your destiny. Because most people sort of intuitively know. (laughs) Like, well, if I had all that money and I could do anything I wanted, didn't have to worry about paying the bills, I know exactly what I'd do. I would do this and I'd do that and then I'd do this. I asked that question to my son a couple years ago. He said, oh, I know exactly what I'd do. I'd start working on that trilogy. I'd write my novels and I'd just, you know, be a writer. He knew what he wanted to do. He knows his destiny but he doesn't have $5 million in the bank. So he's working his job and and he's working on his exit strategy. He he does have a plan to get out of uh, the line of work that he's doing right now and transitioning into being a, a writer like his dad. But that's a question you need to ask yourself. If you could do anything, if you could fill your time with whatever you wanted to do, what is it you would do? However you answer that question, whatever that thing is that you just love to do, that is tied to your destiny. It's very likely that thing, that activity is, is the, it's the desire in your heart. The Bible says God gives us the desires of our hearts. It's not talking about God giving us everything we want, God giving us a Cadillac or this. It says that God literally places our desires in our hearts. The things that you want to do, the things you want to accomplish, your goals, the things you love to do, those desires, God puts them there because they're part of and they're driving you toward your destiny. Figure out what it is you love to do more than anything else and start doing it. Find a way to make money at it. Find a way to partner with someone, uh, whether it's, you know, you might take out a business loan Some people have to do that, but if you're good at at that particular thing, if you develop the skills, if you develop the the knowledge to become competent in that thing and you can pull it off and do it well, make a business out of it or uh, work for someone else doing that thing, you will be happy the rest of your life. Uh, Trust me, (laughs) I speak from experience. Um, I was very, very frustrated in the last 10 years of my career as a paramedic. Even though I was praying for people and seeing them healed, I did not really enjoy working in medicine. It was so stressful. And I'm not going to gross you out with all the things that I saw um, and the traumatic events that I witnessed. I'm just going to say it's very, very stressful work. And you can only do it for a period of time before that stress and all of the gore and horror that you see starts to affect you emotionally. Uh, I wish I had gotten out of medicine a lot sooner, but if I had, I wouldn't have seen a lot of people healed. So there's a trade-off. I got to have a lot of uh, cool testimonies and see people healed in a somewhat traumatic, horrific environment. And I'll get to write about it, Uh, but I, I would, I would suggest to you, you know, if you don't know what your destiny is, spend some time thinking about what would you, if you, money were no object, what would you do? And then start plotting and scheming and developing practical steps you can take to start working on that subject developing skills, developing abilities, connecting with people that can help you build a career in that thing, whatever that is, because very good likelihood that is your divine destiny. And you're gonna have to maybe take some risks. You know, when I I decided I didn't wanna be a medic anymore and I wanted to be a full-time writer, it, it took me a couple of years to pull off my exit strategy. My exit strategy was I'm going to keep working as a paramedic, even though I hate the job. (laughs) I'm going to um, start publishing books. And we published nine books in three years. And by the time we had our ninth book published, I was, we were making enough money off of uh, book royalties that I could quit my job as a paramedic. And for some people, it takes a little while of doing both. So I was working as a paramedic and writing books at the same time. And I lost a lot of sleep during those two or three years. Because I was just always on the go, you know, working 50 to 60, sometimes 70 hours a week, and also trying to write some book manuscripts. So if you find missing commas and periods and punctuation issues in those first couple of books, that's why. Because I was sleep deprived when I was writing them. But. Uh, You know, if if you're serious about pursuing your destiny, God will help you. He will bring you favor. He will bring you inspiration. He'll bring people alongside of you who can help you transition into that thing that you really are designed to do. And that's the goal. God has a specific purpose for your life. He has a specific set of things he wants you to accomplish. It's your job to figure out what those things are and to start pursuing them and not compromise and settle for something else. Uh, God will help you He'll give you dreams he'll have, bring people along He'll give you prophetic words. He'll open doors of opportunity. you have to go through those doors you have to take be willing to take risks, take chances and uh, and and look around and and see what is God saying about your destiny. All right, cool. that is my message for this month these videos all of them are available on rumble uh, along interspersed with my q videos that i'm also doing these broadcasts are also available on our ministry website prayingmedic.org you can go there and we have testimonies lots and lots of healing testimonies we have uh the videos tab is there if you want to watch the old videos all the Supernatural Saturdays are all aggregated there. Uh, some of them are just audio because back in 2014, I wasn't doing videos. I was just doing audio. Um, and uh, there are articles there. You can support us through the, the website pragmatic.org. But we're only re- online. The only online way we have the ability to receive financial support is through Give, Send, Go. Everyone else has deplatformed us. Uh, our paypal accounts have been taken down uh, patreon all the other um, online payment portals have been um, taken down so we only receive online financial support through our give send go page it's give send, go forward slash pm and that portal does can be a little glitchy if you make a donation there the little spinny wheel might be spinning for 10 or 15 seconds Before it processes your payment, just be patient with it. I apologize. It's not a perfect solution, but it's the only solution we have right now for receiving donations. And we also receive donations by check and money order. And people will send us checks and money orders to support us financially. Your donations are tax deductible. You can make them out to Praying Medic, and you can send them to 137 137 East Elliot road number two, two, nine, two Gilbert, Arizona, eight, five, two, nine, nine. And if you need that address, you can look on the copyright page of any of our books and our address is there. You can mail a check or money order there. And this is a message from spouse Anon. She, She wants you to know that if you want to get in your donation for the end of the year, so that it counts on this year's taxes. uh, Try to have your check or money ordered to us by December 25th. Denise always goes to the bank and makes a deposit on the last day of the year. She'll take whatever donations we've received and she'll deposit them in the bank on the last day of the year. So if we receive it before December 31st, she'll gather them all up and make a deposit and you'll get a credit for making the deposit the the donation this year and you'll get uh, in January you'll get a a receipt for that that you can use for your taxes but she wanted me all to let you know it would be great if you can make your donations prior to December 25th makes it easier for her to get everything together and then take it to the bank all right Uh, I think that's all I have for you today Uh, thank you for joining me on the live stream we are in some very interesting days Uh, I'm going to keep posting the news on the elections and uh i think we have uh, i think we have some very interesting days ahead please keep uh, denise and i in prayer keep our country in prayer uh that's it thank you for joining me i'll catch you on the next broadcast